Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The third hour of the Eric Erickson show. The phone number, well, um, we had to close the phone lines here for a little bit. So just stand by on that. Uh, we were actually going to do an interview. But uh, the guy we were going to interview is way cooler than you and me. And he has literally uh, sneaked into Afghanistan to help evacuate some people and therefore cannot be on the telephone. Is that not awesome? I'm, as the as the Gen Zers say, that's based. <laughs> um, but we're going to get him on the program to talk about it uh, at, at some point. Uh, people still trying to be evacuated from Afghanistan. Um, I want to do a couple of things. First of all, um, I want you to know that today is the day that the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, um, and it's a day that will live in infamy. Um, if you want to get a sense of it, on December 7th, 1941, you know, we had radio back then. And this is exactly as it happened. Hello, NBC. Hello, NBC. was NBC. That was their live broadcast on December 7th, 1941, 80 years ago today. It's the Japanese surprise attack on Pearl Harbor. It was, in the words of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the day that would live in infamy. It also is the day, interesting enough for those of us on radio, um, that it was the day that radio really became a necessity around the world. The ability with AM radio in particular to bounce signal off the atmosphere to be able to reach places like the Western United States to relay data. It was remarkable. Uh, The world began to interrupt 
as the signal began to be reached around the world to note what had happened. It was, it was remarkable. And, you know, there's, there's a weird thing. Like, so for example, uh, on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month of the year 1918, the, the guns of August went silent. That is, in World War One, uh, the whole world needed to know weeks in advance because we didn't have radio infrastructure in World War One. Uh, the whole world had to get it, get it in their head weeks in advance. It had to go out by teletype and, and ships at sea and the like that on the 11th hour, the 11th day of the 11th month, World War Two or World War One would absolutely come to an end, cease firing. And the world has changed. History has changed, and now we, we suddenly now have the Internet, unless you're on Amazon services, and uh, then everything changes. It's just remarkable uh, how the world has changed. Uh, it's just, I, I'm, technology and the advance and the infrastructure, uh, to go from not being able to have a radio broadcast in World War One to being able to capture through uh, radio airwaves live World War Two to now the internet around the world and people being able to use WhatsApp and transmit positions and the like. Uh, I, I told you we weren't going to be able to get Mike Edwards on the phone given what was going on, but uh, he has actually endeavored to rouse himself up. Um, my gosh, uh, being able to get with us. And so I want to go to Mike Edwards right now live on the phone. Uh, Mike, how are you? Hey, how's it going? Great. Uh, for those of you who, who don't know, uh, Mike Edwards is the founder of Project Exodus Relief. They've been helping get people out of Afghanistan. And Mike, thanks for being able to join me. Yeah, thanks for allowing me. And sorry for being late. Uh, we've been up all night crushing out manifests and doing a lot of last-minute stuff that popped up this morning also that, that sh- distracted us, and we had to get it out. It was either that or possibly leave some more people stranded so uh real critical there and i apologize for missing it no you you don't have to apologize this work is way more important than than anything i've been doing and i I, just to set the stage for you here and it was kind of unrelated to you that i started my show yesterday noting uh when you look at the political polling right now in the country afghanistan doesn't crop up in anything anyone cares about but when you start probing people there is this definitive moment in time where people's views of American politics shifted this year, and it was in August, with what happened in Afghanistan. And it kind of presupposes every American's view of American politics right now that we essentially not only uh, handed Afghanistan back to the Taliban, but left so many people behind. And it, it, this this comes up across the board in conversations with people and focus groups with people, but it is not covered at all anymore. And yet the situation is still going on. People are still having to be evacuated. And and your group, Project Exodus Relief, is one of the groups helping there. And just if you wouldn't mind, give people an overview of what you guys are still doing. Well, yeah, from day to day, we're still trying to keep people safe, keeping them fed, um, keeping you know the flow of resources going to these people because most of these People that we're trying to rescue now are, are stuck in their homes, just hiding from the Taliban. They can't go out and get jobs uh, because most of the people on our list are the most the elite of the elite special operations guys that worked alongside a lot of our team members throughout the last 20 or so years. So they can't get jobs anymore. Their, their names are on a list. So we're kept keeping them fed and keeping them safe until we can get them out of there. And there is no 
defined, clear path to get them out. Um, currently, the, there's only a route for American citizens, LPRs, which is green card holders, and then SIV applicants. And none of our guys, none of these trusted allies even qualify for the SIV process. So that's why they don't have them. But yeah, so we're working to why get don't them they out qualify? And, uh, so they don't qualify because they didn't work directly for the U.S. government. Uh, they worked for their government or the Ministry of Interior uh, for, for Afghanistan or sorry, the Ministry of Defense for Afghanistan. So they were like their DOD, not our DOD. So if they were an interpreter and worked directly for the U.S. military, they qualify. There's a lot of other people that worked other support jobs for the U.S. military. They, they qualify. But these guys who actually fought right beside us, the actually uh, valorous guys, the, the combat-hardened guys that actually went out and fought next to us, they don't qualify at all because they worked under the Ministry of Defense of Afghanistan. Good grief. Um, so the, let's talk about your time in Afghanistan. I, I, I know you were over there. You were also in Iraq when you were in the military. And so I, I assume a lot of these people you're trying to help out are people you had pre-existing relationships with. Yes, sir. That is correct. Uh, I spent a good bit of time in Afghanistan. I did deploy to Iraq and other places as well. But the vast majority of my time was in Afghanistan um, doing a lot of different stuff with these guys. And I built very close relationships with several of them. And then there's others that are still assigned to the same units that I worked with and trained with regularly. Um, And these guys are highly, highly vetted. Um, They've worked very close with our troops. They're, They're trained on a lot of stuff that we don't want getting out to the bad guys. So right now, I mean, these guys are all super loyal. They don't want to do anything but come to America, be Americans, and help us however they can. Uh, but these guys are being killed off. And then there's actually, there are organizations, some of these terrorist organizations are trying to recruit them now, uh, trying to get them to come to their side. Imagine if that happened how bad that would be Yeah, 80 some odd billion dollars worth of equipment left to the hands of the enemy, the Taliban. And then let's say they, they take on some of the best trained special operations guys they possibly could, because some of these guys, if we're, we're supporting them now, but if we were to go away, they don't have any other option. It's either sit there at home and watch your family starve to death or go out and hope they don't kill you. And maybe they'll let you join their side and pay you. Jeez. Okay. Um, I, so one of the groups that I've been involved with is called help the persecuted. They're, they're out of Atlanta. They've been trying to get Christian converts out of Afghanistan. And they've, they've, they've told me about the real difficulties they have working with the American state department and the roadblocks that the state department throws up to them that other countries don't. And I, I'm wondering, it's one of those questions where in law school, you know, never ask a question you don't know the answer to, but I don't. Um, what sort of help have you guys gotten, if any, from the State Department or the Defense Department on this? Um, none, really. Uh, we, we've uh, there, So there's an Afghan EVAC coalition that was created, through, like with the State Department, and we, you know, we were talking to those people, um, and they haven't really been able to help us. Um, they We've given them a lot of the lists that – you know, people that applied that didn't fit our criteria. Um, and they, they've actually gotten out one family that we sent to them, and that took a lot of pressure there. But other than that, um, we haven't really seen any help uh, from that coalition or from the State Department directly itself. So we've been trying to advocate as much as we can on our own behalf for these people because it doesn't seem like anyone else is. I, we just need to get the story out there, how critical it is that we save these 
Afghan soft partners. There are eyes and ears over there. There are most loyal people. They should have been right behind the American citizens and LPRs coming out of there. But they're not. There's absolutely no pathway. And we reach out and try to find places to put these people, these lily pads, as they call them, which is the, uh, the countries that they fly to from Afghanistan to stage and do their paperwork before coming to the U.S. And the Department of State shuts it down. It's like they don't want these people to leave the country for some reason. Um, and we can't let them fall into the hands of the enemy. So I know you guys need help doing this. So first of all, start out before we before we get into that. How did you put this group together? Well, it started off with me and a few of my friends sharing intelligence back and forth to each other. Um, and then that group grew. So then uh, we brought it all together in one little, uh, essentially a signal chat group or WhatsApp chat group or something like that back in the day. Um, and then we noticed that there's all these other groups out there that we were hearing about that were doing the same stuff. Some of them organized uh, fully functional 501c3s and stuff like that. So we reached out to those groups to see how we could work with them. Maybe we could help them and they could help us. And then we just kept building from there and other people would join in with us or offer their services. And then we just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then now we're, I guess, one of the re- remaining groups that's actually organized and uh, can, can do a lot of it ourselves. The biggest thing that we lack is funding. Uh, we've got assets all over the ground. We, we've got the capabilities to do different things, but we just lack funding. Um, and then a direct path and uh, the conduit through the government to actually reach out and, and make this process happen. Currently, so if people to wanted to help you, um, where would they go? They can go check out our website at blog.proexodusrelief.com. Uh, we've got some good articles in there that, that we write to keep the, um, the public's eye on what's going on over there. Um, we also have a donor site on there, too. Um, one of our partner 501c3s, they can scroll down to the bottom. There's a link to donate there, too. And 100% of the funding goes to EVAC efforts. None of us do any of this for pay. We're all doing this for free uh, in addition to our regular jobs and our regular lives. And uh, we just want to rescue as many people as we can. And these guys are critical. The ones we have on our list are critical. If we don't get them out, this situation is going to be a lot worse than it already is. So, uh, folks, if you're listening, uh, just to make it easy for everybody, I have set up, I, I use a, might use a text-based um, system for my listeners. So people who text the word donate to the phone number 33777 are going to get back that link. Uh, so you can click it and and help support this effort. Uh, Mike, listen, uh, I know you had a long night last night uh, trying to save more lives, and I appreciate you stopping by today, and hopefully uh, listeners can step up and help you guys as well, and, and we can get more people out. Awesome. Thank you so much. And, again, I apologize for being late, and I really Gosh, no. I, look, no need to apologize. I know what you were doing, so thank you very much for what you're doing. And thank you for covering our story, too. Absolutely. Mike Edwards, uh, Project Exodus Relief. If you text the word donate to 33777, I'm going to send you back a direct link uh, to the Project Exodus Relief website uh, showing how they help and how you can help and who their partners are. Uh, there is a donate button on that site. Uh, they really do need help for those of you just tuning in. Mike Edwards, he was a special operator along with a number of other special operators who worked in Afghanistan. They've pulled their resources and intelligence and maintained connections over WhatsApp with a vast array of Afghan partners and soldiers 
who helped the United States, but were not directly tied to the U.S. government, but to the Afghan government. And the Biden administration made the decision to leave them behind, and now they're being hunted down by the Taliban. You can text the word DONATE to 33777 to help. Mike was late to the phone call because they were helping rescue people last night. We'll be back. You are struggling right now. Well, you should be because I am. What am I going to get people for Christmas that I love? What am I going to get myself? Well, there are lots of things you can do. And one of the things you can do is considering how much time we sleep and stay in our beds, consider gifting Bull and Branch. My gosh, their sheets are comfortable. My wife was so excited when I told her that Bull and Branch was going to be an advertiser because she's been hearing about their sheets and she wanted some and we bought some and then they sent us some. And gosh, she knew she was getting that second pair and she loves them. We have Bull and Branch on most of the beds in our house now. And all the time people ask us when they stay at our house, what exactly it is? Where do we get our sheets? Because you can feel the difference. They are very soft. You know, they've got a good snug feel to them, but they're also very soft. You can tell they've got a high thread count. I really, really do like these things. They are very soft. They've got organic cotton weave. They feel incredible all season long, every season, from twin-size beds to California kings. Treat yourself and your loved ones to the new standard embedding from Bull & Branch. Their gifts come wrapped and ready in their special holiday packaging. If you order by December 19th, you get guaranteed delivery for Christmas. Best deals of the year are going now from December 6th to December 8th with promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at bullandbranch.com. That's bull, B-O-L-L, and branch. The promo code is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Exclusions may apply. You're going to want Bull and Branch. Yes, you are. Hi there. It's Eric Erickson here across the nation. Thanks to Mike Edwards for calling in from uh, Project Exodus Relief. Again, if you're just tuning in, this is a group of American soldiers, special operators. Mike, for example, uh, was the recipient of the Silver Star uh, for his service in Afghanistan. Uh, Also, Purple Heart among other things, and they worked with these Afghan soldiers who were on the payroll of the Afghan Department of Defense. So they were not the people payrolled by the American government. As a result, they've been left behind by the Biden administration. And Mike's group, among others of these veterans who work with them, are trying desperately to get these people out. Because, I mean, they they want to be with us. That they, They want to be free. It's not like... They're, they're quasi-terrorists or something. These are people who are fighting the terrorists that Biden left behind. And Mike last night had to, to participate in getting some people out. And as a result, nearly uh, he was supposed to be in with me an hour ago and missed the call. If you want to help, text the word DONATE to 33777, and you can donate to help um, – Project Exodus Relief rescue these people from Afghanistan uh, who are veterans, who were fighters, who fought with us, and we've left them behind. And again, this goes back to the polling on the Biden administration. It is the presupposition at this point for so many people that the Biden administration lacks the empathy they claim to have, in large part because of how, how we handled Afghanistan. There really are American citizens still left behind and green card holders left behind in Afghanistan by this administration that we have not been able to get out. It is infuriating that we have left these people behind. And it's infuriating 
that it is American citizens who have had to form private groups and partner with nonprofits to rescue these people because the American government seems like it could not care less to do so. Really, really disappointing uh, to find that out about our government. When we come back, I want to shift gears, something I wanted to talk about yesterday, and we got distracted by it. it it's time to talk about it. Uh, the gloom, doom, and despair among people in this country dealing with the virus. Overdoses, drugs, crime, so many things tracked back to the COVID pandemic. For several years when I practiced law, I volunteered for the Alliance Defending Freedom to be an on-call lawyer for them. It's one of the few legal nonprofits in the country that really racks up wins, both state courts and federal courts for conservatives and Christians. People have a Christian conservative worldview. Since leaving my law practice, I volunteered in the past to speak at ADF events. I've been to their training sessions where they teach lawyers and pundits how to talk plainly about complex legal issues and understand the state of play on cases around the country from local city councils all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. Now I'm glad to have ADF as an advertiser, but honestly, I'd be encouraging you to support them this time of year anyway. The Alliance Defending Freedom takes donations from you and uses them to help those who can't afford lawyers hire the very best lawyers to fight for freedom from the Supreme Court of the land all the way down to the local level. Right now, ADF has received a matching grant, so all new donors will have their gifts matched. All you have to do is go to adflegal.org slash Erickson today and donate. adflegal.org slash Erickson, E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-973. 7425. I want to talk about an issue that isn't getting enough conversation, and it should be. And in fact, I want to put this in real world terms for a lot of you. We're in the Christmas season now, not the holiday season. That Lexus ad bothers me where the kid gets in the car and says, uh, hey, Lexus, uh, Alexa, play holiday music. Nobody asks for holiday music. And you know what you get when you ask for holiday music? Christmas music. We're in the Christmas season. We have come through the Thanksgiving season. This is a peak time of year for depression, for despair, for suicide. People get overwhelmed at the holiday season. I get overwhelmed at the holiday season. The Christmas season. Hanukkah. Time with friends and family. A few days off work. You get tired. You have visions in your head of something perfect that is not to be something that was in the past that really wasn't, that you've created to be perfect in your head, you can't deliver on it, you get depressed. You want the perfect tree. You want the perfect decorations. You want the perfect present. You don't have the money in your bank account. Your credit card debt is going up. You're stressed. You're trying to please other people, not just yourself. Sometimes you can't please yourself at all. You just think you'll please yourself by making other people happy. You make the matter worse. Depression sets in. And during this time of year as well, the days are darker. And there's plenty of scientific evidence out there that this time of year breeds depression, seasonal affected disorder, they call it. I know people in my family 
who suffer from it, who have to use sunlights because it, it the lights that uh, generate was a close approximation of what you get from the sun because they genuinely get seriously depressively affected by this time of year. And then you pile up on top of that uh, the lack of sun with the need for perfection, the need for pleasing, the need for presence, the need for money, the lack of money, the stress, the struggles, all of it. And then you see people and they seem so happy. And I got to tell you, and I'm I'm mindful of this and say this as well to my kids that you see people who seem like they got it all together and the odds are they're struggling just as much as you. You see perfect people who are perfectly fine and really they're not. I had a friend who was one of those. Everything was perfectly fine. Everything was all right. Had the perfect house and the perfect job. Had the perfect husband. Had the perfect car. Had the perfect lifestyle. Wealthy, well-off, perfection. Pulled into the back of a parking lot at a strip mall one afternoon, swallowed pills and died. The perfect life really wasn't. Struggles were real. And she got overwhelmed. This stuff happens all the time. We just don't talk about it. We don't talk about mental health. It's a sign of weakness. And it is amplified at this time of year, unlike any other time of year. And then there's something else. The pandemic. There are a lot of people who are overwhelmed with dealing with the pandemic. That's really no longer a pandemic, but we just haven't really, all of us mentally in our government gotten there yet that this thing's not going away. You should live your life reasonably, but not in fear. But over the last year and a half, we've been isolated We've been restricted in what we can and cannot do. Our children, our young children, are forced to cover their faces and not see the smiles of adults and the connections that they need to build a healthy self-esteem. Our kids are socially distanced from each other. They haven't been able to have playtime, in-person, physical contact, uh, remote and isolated. Our kids are growing in depression and despair. And while a lot of us fancy the idea of work from home and not work in the office, that too fosters a level of mental health. Now I say this, someone at a company where we've just reopened to everyone, we got precautions in place. They want everyone to get vaccinated. If not get tested, wear masks. I think it's past time to get rid of the mask requirement. 
fewer and fewer people at companies internally. I've talked to several friends of mine at their companies as well, aren't wearing them, even though there are signs up in the offices saying wear masks. People aren't just uh, disrespecting the company policy uh, that the company itself, when you see senior management not doing it, you tend to disrespect it. You're the one who gets in trouble. It breeds a level of inequality in a company where none should exist. There's no reason for a mask requirement at this point for any company in America. We shouldn't even have it on airplanes at this point based on what we know of the virus. It doesn't really help at this point. But there is something else there as well. One of the other points of stress and antagonism. Your company has an opt-in policy, work from home or come to the office, or don't come back to the office yet. A lot of companies are in that place. Don't go back to the office yet. But you know people are going to the office, and you can't. You're immunocompromised, or your spouse is, or your kids. You can't take the risk. Are you going to be penalized? Because the other people are showing up to be seen and you can't take the risk, family first. And so that dries up the stress as well. We in this country fret often about inequality in the country. What about the inequality of those who can and can't? You know, for the longest time, because my wife has lung cancer, a very pernicious genetic one, I had to restrict my travel. I am by no stretch of the imagination an extrovert. I don't know anyone in radio, a host in radio. I don't know any host in radio who's truly extroverted. Now, we certainly sound like it on radio. We put on a good act. But right now, it is me in my office behind a camera and microphone, and there's not another soul around. It's perfect. I get to sound, play the extrovert to you guys. But I don't have to entertain people. You know, I went out uh, last Thursday. I had a charitable event and was surrounded by people all night. And then on Friday, had meetings and had more people I had to be around. And by Saturday, I was just absolutely exhausted. And I finally realized it. I'd been around people for days on end. And I it, it wears me out. I'm not really an extrovert, but I am more extroverted than my wife is. And it was killing me to not be out and about. And I finally needed to travel, had reason to travel, and had to take extreme precautions during the height of the pandemic before there was a vaccine in order to travel. Now I'm 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 reasonable in what I do and try to wash my hands and carry hand sanitizer and wear a mask if I'm in a large crowd with people where they ask me to. Otherwise, I don't wear a mask, even in large crowds. I just don't because I know what the research says now as opposed to back then. But there's still a little lingering concern. What if I bring something home? A lot of people have that. My wife, though, she hadn't been out of the house for a time during the pandemic. I was going to the grocery store. And at the height of the pandemic, when there were shortages, I was having to go to three and four grocery stores. And that's what my weekend was. Every weekend was get up and start the grocery store cycle. And it would last for two days until I got all the groceries we needed. Sometimes I would still come home empty-handed with stuff. It overwhelms. It does. And there are a lot of people struggling. But now hear me on this one. Your college-age kids and younger, they're the ones who are really struggling. And I don't know that we're doing enough. 
You know, the American Academy of Pediatrics, I think it was that one. Don't hold me to that one. One of the big pediatric associations for years had data that showed kids needed to see visual clues through emotion, emotion reflected in faces, smiles and the like for them to be able to process emotion. And then when the pandemic came and there was a big fight over whether you should wear masks or not, and, and conservatives started saying, what about this? What about this? They took it off their website and claimed it never existed when it did. They didn't memory hold it well enough. People found it. People were reshaping public policy positions based on whether they were on the left or the right, pro-mask or anti-mask. But we've all known it's true. Your kid wants to see your face, not behind a mask. In school, they need to see your face. They need to be in person. We are social creatures. Not to make a theological point here, but let me just put this in perspective for you. In the Garden of Eden, the first man, Adam, literally got to walk on a daily basis with God Almighty himself. On a daily basis, got to commune with the God of the universe. And all of his creation, the animals and the like. And still, God created another human being because we're not meant to be alone. Adam wasn't alone. He got to hang out with God every day. Could you imagine? You get to hang out with God every day. You get to take walks together. You get to ask him questions. Why did you make the platypus? Why can't I fly like the bird? You could ask him every question you ever wanted to ask. Now, there weren't a ton of questions to ask back then. We didn't have who shot JR and, and was there really another person involved in the Kennedy assassination? And what about aliens? Didn't have any of that. It's just Adam in the garden with God. And still, still, he gets to walk with the God who created everything. And God says, eh, it's not good for him to be alone. Let's make another human being. Fast forward to the 21st century, and we're like, eh, we can suck it up. We'll put them on Zoom calls or get in the metaverse. It's not the same. It's not the same. You've got to have in-person connection. So I would tell you this. One of the reasons I think everyone should get the vaccine is because there are some people who are, live in fear and trepidation over the virus so much, and they don't want to have any contact with you, and it's for their good and yours that you be in person. And so if you can take the things that you can take and be precautious and reassure people so that you can be together face-to-face, it will do you good and them good. But whether you do or not, find the people who aren't worried and be with them. Too many people are living by fear right now of this virus and the pandemic, and it's causing depression and despair. It's causing rates of suicide. They can't actually trace some of the crime data back to uh, the, the the virus and the spread and, and the despair and the fear and the desperation that leads some people into crime, leads some people to anger, and the anger then sparks into crime. The pandemic has a lot to do. Not all of it. Don't don't. I'm not painting with a broad brush here, but there's some of it. There are good bits of it. There's so much despair. And it all comes out of the Christmas season anyway. There's a great light in the darkness. But sometimes you're so overwhelmed with the darkness, you don't even want to look at the light. But it's there if you want to look at it. But more importantly, 
And at this moment, let me just say for all intents and purposes, at this moment, I don't care whether you believe or you don't believe. What I need you to know is this. You are not alone. What you see on Instagram and in your life, the perfectly curated people with the perfect smiles and the perfect house and the perfect car and the perfect weight and the perfect clothes, they got problems too. And there are lots of people who have isolated themselves and it allows those doubts and that dread and that despair to be magnified. And you need to do what you can to foster real community in real time with real people face-to-face, not on Zoom. Your companies, you should be getting your employees back to the office face-to-face. It's good for their mental health. You should be getting your kids in schools where the kids don't have to stand six feet apart from each other, but can actually touch each other and interact with each other, share germs with each other even. It's time. In the Christmas season, at the darkest part of the year, where people get overwhelmed with just trying to make the perfect Christmas. It's the perfect time for you to commit yourselves, your companies, whoever, to getting back together face-to-face just for the sake of your mental health. Do not be in despair. Go hang out with people. Now, I need to tell you guys about an organization, and I have I've talked to, I talk about them a lot on the radio. For years, I practiced law, and I volunteered for the Alliance Defending Freedom. It's one of the few legal nonprofits in the United States that racks up wins in state courts and federal courts for conservatives and for people who are Christians with a Christian worldview. Since leaving my law practice, I have volunteered in the past to speak at ADF events. And I've also been to their training sessions that are so cool where they help teach lawyers and pundits how to talk plainly about complex legal issues to understand them. Now I'm glad to have the Alliance Defending Freedom as an advertiser. Now, to be honest, I'd be encouraging you to support them anyway. The Alliance Defending Freedom takes your donations and uses them to help those who can't afford lawyers hire the very best lawyers to fight for freedom from the highest court in the land all the way down to the local level. ADF just received a matching grant, so all new donors are going to have their gifts matched to help in their defense of freedom. I hope you'll support them. Go to adflegal.org slash Erickson. That's adflegal.org slash Erickson, E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N. Thank you to ADF for coming on board. Hello there. It's Eric Erickson here. You know, we are in the Christmas season, and I sure do hope you have a great Christmas. You know someone who wants you to have a great Christmas? The Pope. The Pope is, well, I wouldn't say he's quite comparing the European Union to Nazis and fascists and communists, but uh, this is from Hot Air. The European Union has attempted to ban the use of the word Christmas, saying it's not inclusive. The dossier from the EU recommended, among other things, to stop saying Merry Christmas and replace it with Happy Holidays and refer to Christmas holidays as winter break. The guidelines for internal use were signed by the Commissioner for Equality, Helena Dali of Malta, published by an Italian media outlet on Monday and caused outrage. The office had to cancel it. Speaking at the Vatican, uh, Cardinal Pietro Perolin, Secretary of State, denounced the homogenization 
I believe there's a real concern about this. It's a path of which we have become more aware and which naturally must translate into practice. But the Pope himself decided he needed to speak out. The Pope said that this was a bridge too far and that it was uh, essentially neo-colonialism at work to eradicate these sorts of ideas. Uh, he sees the threats to democracy, populism, he said of one, it starts to show its nails. I'm thinking of the populism of the last century, Nazism, a populism that defended national values. And he also said shutting down things like Christmas because of its offense is disrespectful to people. It's a new dictatorship. He, the Pope is not happy when you try to get rid of Christmas from the holiday season, the Christmas season. Got that, Lexus? Your stupid ad. And you thought these last two years were crazy. Welcome to 2022. It's coming up and nothing makes sense still, especially in business. If you're a small business owner, good luck getting financing from a big bank right now. I can offer you a fantastic solution. If you're looking for $750,000 or more in financing for your business, First Liberty Building and Loan. Let's say you want to buy a new building or you want to refi existing debt or you want to buy a company. Basically, you see opportunity for your business to grow, but you've hit a wall with the mega banks getting financing. That's where First Liberty Building and Loan and my friends, the Frost family, come in. They solve small business financing problems better than anyone I've ever seen. They say yes, where big banks say no. It's that simple. Look, just do this. Spend 10 minutes with them. Call them, First Liberty Building and Loan, say Eric sent you. In 10 minutes, you'll know if you're a good fit for their program. Go to firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. They help small businesses nationwide in all 50 states. Firstlibertyga.com.